Welcome on into the 2 3 podcast. I'm Cam. That's Zach. Episode 9 Madison Square Garden special. It's game day for the boys at MSG, the Mecca. Primetime game versus number 6 Villanova, 9 30 p.m. on ESPN. Cam, how are we feeling? I mean, I don't know how you can come off a win like the one that we had against Florida State and look ahead to this game where we play a talented foe like Villanova and not be excited, Zach. I'm hyped for this game, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the boys are going to stack up against some very talented Villanova competition. I am so hyped. It's always such a pleasure and honor to play at MSG even though we don't usually do well there. But nonetheless, love to be there. And who doesn't love playing in the Mecca? I mean, I don't know how you can't. We actually went there before, Zach. Um, True. And like Zach said, Cuse did not win. But still, it was amazing to kind of look around and see the history in the building. If there's one thing to note that I really remember, it was the walk up the stairs uh, to get to our level of seating. We were way up there, Zach. It felt like we were going up like eight levels of stairs. But nonetheless, it is MSG, and again, I don't really know how you you can't get hyped for this game. Villanova comes into this as the number six seed in the AP rankings and number five in the net. By the way, if you're curious to see where Syracuse stacks up, we are 117th in the net. But that doesn't really matter going into this game, Zach, because rankings don't necessarily matter when you take down big cats like the Wildcats. Very true. This is a massive game. Obviously, that goes without saying. is a great team, obviously nationally ranked. It's going to be a dogfight, to say the least. But one thing we got to touch on is, obviously, Nova is a great team. Their three-point percentage is pr- quite impressive, 42% on the year. I guess the first question that comes to mind for to me is, can... This new 113-131, the 2-3 zone, hold up against Nova's great shooting. Well, I mean, as we've seen against other teams, Zach, that have shot the ball very well against Cuse, that sort of adjustment is pretty much the make-or-break moment if Jim does want to go to that 131 or the 113, whatever it is. Because as we've talked about a couple of times, we don't really know if we're athletic enough for the 2-3 zone yet because we've struggled a little bit um, and a bunch of teams have put up some like season-high numbers against us. So I guess the question becomes, and I want to kind of flip it to you, have you seen us become more athletic in this 2-3 zone kind of heading into the Villanova matchup over the last couple of games? I don't know if it's necessarily more athletic, but I think it plays into our strengths better. Obviously, our team is pretty tall. Like Cole Swider and Jimmy, they're both like 6'10". Well, like I guess technically 6'9", 6'8". So big guys, big, big, you know, windspan. And I think they're able to stretch farther when they're farther up and they're actually able to contest shooters. When they're towards the baseline a little bit more, they have to, they have to use their speed and their athleticism to get out to shooters. But now that they're pushed out so far, they're already there and they can use that length to their advantage rather than, you know, being laid on closeouts and stuff like that. So I think we're just using our team and our strengths to at better than necessarily being more athletic. Do you think that potentially you could see Jim 
sort of going back to this, I guess for all intents and purposes, we'll just say the different zone, the one, one, three, cause that's what he keeps calling it. So could you see Jim kind of throwing in that one, one, three, maybe playing it for a couple of possessions if the, you know, score kind of gets out of hand or whatever. Could you see Jim kind of going back to that? Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to start with it. He started, he started the last game with it. He started the game with before that with it. I think he's going to start with it. And if it works, then he's going to stick with it. In the second half against Indiana, they started kind of figuring things out a little bit, how to, how to beat it. And they switched to their traditional two, three zone. And that's the question is like, is this going to hold up? There's now two games that have tape on this new zone that Jim Beheim is running. And is Villanova going to kind of figure out how to, how to, how to beat it? It's hard to say, but there, there's now two games of tape that they can study and they, they're aware that we're doing it. It's not a surprise like it was against Indiana and even Florida State. It could be one of those things too where maybe Jim doesn't necessarily start out with it, but he just kind of like throws it in at spurts, like um, kind of like what Louisville did with that whole Rick Pitino defense where he kind of switched between a zone and then a man. Maybe it could be one of those things where he kind of goes back and forth between the one, one, three, and then the two, three. It kind of all depends too how well the players are able to kind of switch between the two. But I could imagine for Villanova's scouting report, that's got to be a little bit difficult because it's going to throw you off to see two different zones or at least plan on seeing two different zones. Even if you know that it's coming, Zach, I can imagine that it would be a little bit tricky to try and sort of find a game plan that would be a workaround for that. Yeah, it's definitely going to make things the scouting report a little bit more interesting than it normally is. Obviously, everyone else is like, all right, 2-3 zone. Obviously, that's a task in itself if you don't play the zone. But having this extra rankle in the zone, we'll call it, is definitely going to be interesting for Nova. So we'll see how they deal with it. So the big player for Villanova, or at least one of the big players, because they do have a couple of them, is at the guard position. He's a grad student. His name is Colin Gillespie. He tore his ACL last year, and he's averaging almost 18 a game and shooting 47% from the arc. I guess that we saw this as well from Colgate. You know, they had shooters as well. But how could you see Cuse potentially sort of stopping the shooters and hopefully, you know, making like a Florida State game where they only went, what, four for 30 at the end of the night? How could we potentially see uh, Cuse sort of attack their shooters, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I think we got to use our length or advantage. Like I mentioned, we have tall forwards. We have semi-tall guards-ish, if you consider when Samir comes in, we have tall guards. Um, and if we use our length, and I don't know, I feel like we get more, we're getting more steals as of late with this new zone. And if, if we just do what the zone does well, and that's just rallying the shooter. And even if like we're not truly like in their face and truly contesting the shot. I just feel like when the zone is working at full force, people are a little frazzled. And even though the shot is like quote unquote open, it's still not their exact spot that they want to be in. And they just kind of have to take it or it's an open enough look where they have to take it, but it's not the exact spot, if that makes any sense. So it's not like maybe not their shot, even though it is open and they should take it. It's not exactly, you know, they don't, I guess, I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see what you're saying. You had mentioned him a little bit, and it's going to kind of jump ahead to you know what we want to talk about uh, a little bit further. But um, you had mentioned uh, Samir and his you know sort of success when it comes to the zone and how he's had quite a few steals and how he's a little bit longer. Um, could you see him potentially getting a little bit more minutes if he's able to kind of piece together a pretty solid performance 
defensively because as we know, like that's his bread and butter is assists and he's a pretty solid defender. So I can imagine Zach that, you know, with a team that is as strong as Villanova is at shooting the three and at ball, moving the ball around quite a bit. I can imagine that Samir is probably going to get some, some minutes heading into this one. Yeah, I would say so too. I think, I guess the time you want it is if we see Joe Girard take over and, you know, start shooting from the logo and making them and just kind of go crazy on offense. Obviously we've talked about this previously that he is a slight liability on defense, just his size. And again, just kind of lack of athleticism, but if he's if he's killing it on offense and you know not making big enough mistakes on defense, then then that that's the only time he'll like stay in completely. But we haven't really seen we haven't really seen Joe put put together like a full forty minute game. I would say not yet. Offensively, yes, but on both ends of the court, not quite. So I would I would think that Samir would definitely get a good run. I think that Joe isn't necessarily the best defensive player in the world. I don't. I can't really remember too many performances from him over the course of his Q's career where he's really kind of wowed us on defense. Maybe he's gotten a cut, you know, quite a few steals or, or whatnot, but he's never really been the most athletic player defensively. And I feel like that's where Samir like really shines is when you want that change of pace. And when you want, um, you know, a, a solid defender there to maybe stop any sort of momentum a team has, I feel like Samir could be a, a very valuable asset moving forward. And as we both know, Zach, like he's incredibly athletic. It's just a matter of if he can buy a bucket or not, because <laughs> it's getting to the point where it's really, really sad at this point. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, but Samir has made some great takes to the rim. But when it comes time to putting the shot up and putting it in the basket, he just he really can't buy a basket. <laughs> Another big staple is Villanova's defense. They are holding teams to just 63 points on the year so far. And for comparison, Cuse is allowing 79 points. I feel like this is going to be one of those instances, Zach, where we really need to get the ball moving. We need to get as many assists as possible, try to find the shooters, and try to find Buddy where he is most comfortable on that arc. Yeah, I mean, we're capable, even even though Villanova is obviously a very great defensive team, you know, led by Jay Wright, obviously a great defensive coach and a great coach on top of that. But I think we're, we're capable offensively. If we're playing the way we can, we're capable of, we're capable of beating or, you know, going up against a great defense like Villanova. Obviously we got to get our shots and our ball movement, like you said, if we do those two things, then I think we're going to be in good shape there. You know who we need to feed Zach? We need to feed Jesse. Because he continues to be a monster. And again, we will get to all of the players, you know, kind of a look at um, how the Florida State game went. But Jesse has really improved over the past couple of games to the point where he is actually a legitimate offensive threat. And that is something, Zach, that I did not think I was going to be saying uh, this quickly heading into the year. Yeah, this is now, or Florida State was now the the third game in a row where he put up a great performance. He didn't quite get to his, you know, 17 that he was averaging the last three games or whatever, but he put up a great stat line nonetheless, and we'll get that to later. And feed Jesse, you're right, that's what we got to do. Hashtag feed Jesse. I would love to see him as well come up with as many rebounds as he can because I feel like as many block shots, that man – 
has a talent for blocking shots. And even before this year, that was kind of a staple to his gameplay. I love seeing Jesse just kind of swatting the ball away. Get out of here. Just get out of here, silly. And he he's moving around, Zach, with like so much confidence now. And he really looks like he's actually legitimately enjoying himself out there. I'm going to put a quick pause on the Villanova talk and go back to our road dub in Tallahassee. Kodiak Hughes back at it again with another thriller. 63-60 final. What a game. It was a huge game. It was a huge confidence booster. Probably the the biggest game of the year up until, obviously, the, the next one, which is obviously later tonight. But I feel like... Uh, they really had the boys really had to kind of climb out of a hole in this one. Nobody was shooting the ball well in the beginning. Florida state was not making anything. They were really helping our cause. And it was one of those games where you look back at the hole that kind of Q's dug for themselves. And really the only way that they would have been able to get out of it is if they actually played as well as they did against Florida State. This was a a tremendous defensive game. And I think offensively on the stat sheet, Zach, it was not very pretty, but it still got the job done. Yeah, it was a low scoring game, which was quite the surprise after coming off that huge double overtime score that we just had against Indiana. (laughs) Like I said, 63 to 60 final, which was quite the uh, drop off compared to the 110 or whatever we had against Indiana. <laughs> but this was obviously a defensive gain. The 1-3 one, one, was back at it for the second time, and it was beautiful to see. I think one funny thing is that uh, Buddy kind of mentioned in his presser that Jim was sort of writing down the 1-1-3 uh, the one, one, on a napkin at home a few weeks ago. I can just imagine Jim just kind of scribbling that down and maybe the dining room table and then just being yelled at by, uh, by Julie and just be like, no, no basketball talk at the dining room table or something like that. But it was pretty funny like to hear that from Buddy to see that he was kind of writing that down on a napkin of, of all things. Yeah, I do think we have to note that this is pretty historic for Jim Beheim and in defenses. Against Indiana, this is the first time Jem has ever deployed a 1-1-3. Obviously, 2-3 has been his bread and butter, but he's making a few changes up, which is honestly great to see. And honestly, I think Jim is the MVP for making this change. Oh, yeah, 100%. Could you think that? Do you think that maybe there will be more zone changes to kind of come? Maybe he employs like a a 3-2 or maybe he employs like a 1-3-1 or whatever kind of moving forward? I mean, Jim is a magician. He's like back there casting spells and changing things up here and there. So I think think we'll see a little little, little curls, little, little tweaks to the zone moving forward, especially given game situation and things that he sees. He knows what he's doing, obviously, and I think... I'm just very like excited that he's making such like a big change because historically Jim really doesn't make big changes like this. So I'm excited that he he's he's more willing to step away from you know his bread and butter a little bit. Obviously still his own, so we're still okay there, but he is changing things up big time and it's having big results. One big thing, one big stat I should say that we kind of mentioned earlier was that Florida State was four for thirty from three during this game. And how much of that do you think, Zach, can we credit to kind of a good defense? 
Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, some of those shots were pretty open, and you can't really argue with that. I think this kind of goes back to my point about when the when the 2-3 zone, or I guess not the 2-3 zone, when the zone is playing well and it's 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 doing its job, you're still frazzled when you take that shot even though you're open, and it's you're just not you don't go into that shot with full confidence or maybe like the guy you want to take that shot isn't taking it. So while it is open, it's not like a full confident stroke. So I think it just impacts, impacts your, your shooting ability. And I, I, I don't think we can take credit for all of those misses. I think we got lucky, but I think to a degree, we can play that card a little bit. By nature, the zone is going to expose poor shooters as it is. I mean, that's just kind of what the zone does and what it does best. But I agree with you. I don't know if we can necessarily, you know, credit that all to the defense. It really did look like Florida State was really trying to force things at some points. And towards the end there, people started to magically start making stuff, which was crazy. I mean, that's just how college basketball is, I guess. But yeah, I I don't know if we can necessarily chalk it all up to the defense, but I still think regardless when you kind of look back on this game, this was one of Cuse's like better defensive games as a whole from this season. I mean, if you look back on like a couple of the games, especially against like Colgate, we looked fantastic and significantly improved compared to to that game. Yeah, absolutely. I would say I would say this is probably the best defensive performance we've had all year. So let's look at the players. Let's look at the boys. And let's start with our point guard. JG3, who was in full force. And that shot from the logo, Zach, really kind of was a game changer. It was one of the shots, again, where I'm like scratching my head, like, Joe, why are you taking that? And then it goes in. It's like, well, I guess I can't, you know, knock him for it. He was feeling it and it went in. Yeah, it's, I I love it. I hate it all at the same time. When it goes in, I love it. When he, when he initially takes it, I'm like, Joe, what are you doing? But (laughs) that's just kind of how Joe is. And we got, we got to love, we got to love to hate it, I guess. 16 points, three rebounds, two assists. He was 50% from three. It was another solid performance from Joe. And this is starting to kind of become the norm for him in this season. It really feels like, Zach, that we're starting to get that old Joe back. But there's still something missing. I still feel like he can work on his defense just a little bit. And if he does, he will be a fantastic point guard for the remainder of this year. Yeah, he still has to put a full 40 minutes together, and we kind of talked about this earlier, but this does open the door and provide a great opportunity for Samir, which I guess we can scroll down to him real quick. And he played a solid game. I really loved what I saw with, from him. Five assists off the bench, only finished with one point, but I loved what I saw from Samir. He didn't have the best stat line in the world, but his performance shows that just by having him in the game, it actually like it changes the flow so much and it actually changes sort of like the the dynamic of this team. He's such an unselfish player when he dribbles up the ball and like he's he's immediately looking for a pass. It looks like he doesn't necessarily want to shoot. And you and I had talked about this before we started recording. I don't think it's necessarily that he doesn't want to shoot. It might just be that he might have the red light to shoot because again, he can't buy a bucket at this point. Yeah, he's been struggling from there and at the same time, we don't truly need him to score. Obviously, that would be a great asset if he could. But we have enough scorers and shooters on this team to where I'm honestly like okay with him not even shooting the ball. 
obviously, like, if he has a shot, you got to take it. You got to be some sort of threat on offense. Otherwise, all right, guys will just, you know, stay in the paint and not even take you seriously. But I, I love what he's doing in terms of distributing the ball and changing the pace of the game. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for doing that. Even if we don't necessarily need him to take his shots, do you think that we should still, or do you think that he should still try to drive in and create those opportunities like he has been? Yeah, I mean, those those drive-ins create opportunities, whether that's, I mean, as of late, a missed layup for him or, you know, one of those assists he's got, one of those five assists he has. So he definitely has to do that. And, you know, hopefully that will lead to a few more layups here and there, a few more finishes around the rim. But definitely still adding up those assists. We got to talk about the boy. Put a cape on him, Zach. He got a double-double. That's Captain Cole. 16 points, 10 rebounds. He looked very good. He's another strong player for this team, and I feel like he's just he's a leader out there. He had, he had a clutch three-pointer. He had some clutch free throws, and he just continues to show how important he is to, to that starting lineup. Yeah, it's great to see Cole finally finally finding his stroke and his role on this team. And it's it's getting bigger than what people were people were starting to get a little shaky towards Cole with poor shooting. People really started to question if Cole was gonna was gonna be the guy that we were hoping he would be. And I think he's kinda answered that question these last few games. He ended up going four for thirteen from three and uh five for fifteen from the field. I think that it's just one of those things, Zach, where he just needed to get his confidence back up. Because, again, like he was very cold to start the year when he was shooting. But, I mean, in those preseason games, we could see that he could easily knock him down. It's just a matter of getting his confidence going and getting his rhythm going. And I feel like at this point, he's probably found it or at least is close to finding it. Yeah, and despite not shooting well in the night, he still made him when it mattered the most, which is clutch. You got You got to give him respect there. Obviously, like you said, his his finishing stat line, his finishing percentage isn't that great. But there was ta- there was I think he made at least two or three in a row, at least two in a row, three three point shots in a row. At, you know, and he finished what three for sixteen or whatever you said. So right. he made he made him when it mattered most, and you got to give him respect for that. Jimmy, the older Bayheim brother, thirteen points, four rebounds. He had a lot of crucial drives in in the late game, but he was a, you know, it just continues to amaze me how like fearless he is driving in and how he just kind of, he doesn't give a darn. He just, he goes all out. He goes for his, for his squad and he's a, he's a really nice leader and he's just a nice guy to have on the team. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw, but on social media, the team posted the, the boys going to the tunnel after the big dub and, the Florida State fans were chirping a little bit, and our our guy Jimmy uh, was 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 wanting all the smoke from them at the end of the game. I don't know if you guys saw that, but it was pretty good. And like, it sort of begs the question, Zach. Like, after your team loses, why are you chirping? Like, why are you talking at all? Like, why would you do that? You just took the L. Like, what are you doing? Go back home. Go back to go back to your homes in Tallahassee. Nobody wants to hear from you. We just beat you. Yeah, I don't know. I think they all put their clown mask on and started, you know. <laughs> booing and hollering and stuff so i don't know i, I nothing they say can can mean has any weight because they took the l it's just like nothing to say <laughs> other than the scoreboard so sorry let's move on to jesse he was the other orangeman that had a double double at 11 points and 12 rebounds again he just continues to have these strong performances when it matters most but zach 
this is the third game of the year that he has fouled out. I feel like I'm a little bit worried about that, that stat line. Yeah, it's not great. And we've talked about this before, but he does have a super, super, super tough job of anchoring his zone and always contesting shots. So it's it's kind of inevitable, especially when you are such a you know new blossoming star or player as Jesse is or becoming. So it's I think it's I think it's hopefully it's a learning curve and he's gonna get smarter and more efficient and, and taking less risk. Obviously, you do have to take a risk, and you know I, I'm not sure how many blocks he had this game, but he is a blocking machine as well. So to take those to 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 block, you have to take risks. So. It's kind of a double-edged sword there, and it, it is a concern. But I I really don't know. But hopefully he'll, he'll he'll reel it in a little bit. He ended up having two blocks on this game, and I think it's just you know he's he's playing with a lot more confidence. But I feel like he's still trying to find himself a little bit. Again, this is the second game in a row that he's fouled out. But it might be just a matter of you know trying to find where you need to actually exert effort when you're when you're blocking and when you're trying to contest a, a shot and when you kind of need to pull back and be a little bit more conservative. Because I feel like he's just kind of flying it around at, you know, 100% all game and he's very intense and that's great and all, but like it's going to lead him into trouble and it already kind of is starting to, again, second game in the row, third game of the year where he fouled out. So I think it, it might come with, with, you know, age. It might come with playing experience, being out there a little bit more, I think that he'll kind of find his zone and then be able to kind of reel it in or not. Let's talk about Buddy. He had six points, five assists. This was his lowest scoring game of the year, I think, but that assist margin is pretty good, Zach. Yeah, I feel like when Buddy is shooting the ball and getting a pretty good stat line of, of assists, I think we're. I think that's a game we win. When, when, when Buddy is not distributing the ball and getting assists, I feel like those are the games we have lost so far. Um, so I, I'm hyped about the assist. I love to see that. Obviously, this is a season low of only six points, but that doesn't mean he didn't play a great game. He still did, um, and other guys kind of stepped up, stepped up for him. And not to mention, Buddy was like double teamed, and he had a really hard task of you know trying to make a bucket. So all, everyone else stepped up, and they deserve credit for stepping up. And that's gonna happen. Buddy's gonna have a cold night, and other guys need to step up, and they did. And we got the the, the W. So that's that's best case scenario. There was a play at the end of the game. I think it was at the towards the end of the game where Jimmy kind of forgot that he was playing center and Buddy kind of stepped in and and played center. That's such a a clever move to have that, you know, defensive IQ to kind of step in there. Again, he's not a center, but at least somebody's manning the position when, you know, your player forgot, when your brother forgot for that matter. Um, you know, it, he continues to impress Zach with his just you know, whole basketball IQ. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Jim rubs off on, off on him a little bit, and he probably sees, you know, s- sketches of plays and defenses in the in the garbage can of, you know, napkins, <laughs> old previous napkins, and he you know takes them out and looks at them and you know soaks in all the info and he his IQ is insane and you know obviously you know coming from you know Jim he's he's got to have high IQ and he he's obviously knows the game very well. Do you think that the two three zone was founded on a napkin? I hope so. I really do because that, that's a napkin I want to buy, put it in a frame, <laughs> and put it on my wall. I really hope it was one of those like napkins that you can find at Walmart, like a thousand napkins for $3. One of those kind of crappy napkins. 
It wasn't one of the posh ones that were like cloth or whatever. It was just one of the really like maybe a bar napkin or something like that. I could see that, you know, the two, three zone. He's kind of sketching it up back in the eighties the or the seventies. Oh, this is the two, three zone. This is, you know, this is how it's going to work. And then he just kind of held onto that napkin in his desk for maybe a couple of years. I could see that with Jim. Yeah. I would say, I think Jim's a bargain shopper. I feel like he's got the, you know, thousand pack of, of napkins in his closet back then. Yeah. I, the, I can see that. The great value $3 napkins that founded the two, three zone. We're calling it. That's where, that's where it came from. Let's move on to, uh, to Frank. He had a solid eight minutes, nothing crazy, but nothing bad. He's, you know, continuing to show that he is an important player um, to kind of fill in with Jesse's role, but you know, he, he continues to grow Zach and we're seeing that development kind of slowly take place. Yeah. I think we just got to emphasize one more time that he's still obviously a very important player on this team, obviously against FSU, nothing crazy, but you know, the game before against Indiana, he comes in late, has four clutch free throws and wins this game essentially. So he, he's still a very crucial player in our, the rotation and well, today there's not much headlines or anything about him. He, he did what he needed to do. He had a solid eight minutes, and we're happy with it. He ended up having four rebounds. Again, pretty good game. He had one foul. But, you know, in eight minutes, kind of filling in as that second role, I don't really think that there's too much more that you can really ask for for a player, especially a young player that kind of came into this year with little to no experience on the floor. So I think that he's making the most of it. There are a couple of silly, like, young plays that he's, he's making out there, but that'll come with time. One player that we really do need to talk about, though, Zach, and that kind of everybody's talking about, on social media, a lot of people were saying that in that same video where Jimmy was, you know, trying to catch all that smoke from the Florida State fans, it looked like Benny was kind of hanging his head, and we're not going to speculate if he was sad or anything like that, but... We do need to kind of call into question, you know, he had two minutes of game time. He didn't do anything. Um, are we kind of worried about his lack of production so far? Or do you think it's just one of those cases where he's still young and still trying to grow? I guess the only reason I'm worried is because we're in the, the era of transferring. And because people can be in his ear at the end of the year and this and that, when guys can just transfer, I'm worried for the end year what he's going to decide and what these, you know, what these two minutes of game, two minutes of game time is going to do to him at the end of the year. Is he going to, is he going to check out? Be a like, yo, Syracuse, Jim Beheim is not for me. I'm going to go somewhere where a coach is going to tell me I can do whatever I want or whatever. So I'm worried because of that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be worried at all. He's a freshman. He's still young. There's still plenty of time for him to you know, find himself and especially come next year, we're going to need him with everyone leaving after this year. Maybe right now we don't necessarily need him as much. We could still use him obviously, but come next year, we need him. And I like to think that Jim is probably as transparent and the whole Syracuse program is probably as transparent as possible when it comes to that kind of stuff where, listen, you're not going to get starting minutes this year and you're going to probably see a dip in your production compared to high school. But you can still learn under this this senior-led team. You can still learn under under one of the best coaches in the world, the best coach in the world for that matter. Amen. Um, but I, I think that there's – we got to remember too, we're going into our ninth game of the year. 
it's still a very long season. We could see Benny's production skyrocket. We could see it take a nosedive. We could see it plateau. We don't know. But it's just a matter of how the program kind of approaches him because he is an incredibly talented player. And we can see that. We can see that with his, you know, posterizing blocks. And he can, you know, he's he's such an electric player out there. But it's just a matter of piecing together a solid performance overall because there are some you know, young mistakes that he's making out there. But overall, Zach, I still feel like he's such a, a talented player and it'd be it'd be really, really tough to lose him. But I like to think that hopefully the program is, is making the right decisions when they are approaching Benny Williams' production. Yeah, I mean, and that begs the question, at what point do you protect the integrity of this season of obviously, like, if Benny isn't having the production you want where you only play him two minutes a game or where you protect him integrity of the program we're like all right well i gotta give him some minutes otherwise we're gonna lose him and we're gonna you know we're not gonna have him we're gonna lose him to the transfer portal at one point do you at what side of the scale are you on are you like i'm gonna do whatever it takes to win and if benny gets two minutes a year minutes a game then so be it uh it's a tough it's a tough conversation and so far jim has said that i'm here to win games and if, if benny isn't doing anything out there then i'm not gonna play him and I, I don't know where we you know where we stand on that, but interesting to think about. And another thing to think about, um, try not to you know beat a dead horse here, but we do have a talented, very talented recruiting class coming in next year. But like you said, Zach, the team is going to be incredibly young, barring we get any you know um, if we get any transfers, any you know higher level over you know whatever upperclassmen transfers that's the word i'm looking for um this is a very this is going to be a very young team next year and having that experience this year going into to next season i feel like would be incredibly valuable for benny and again we're going into our ninth game of the year this is still an incredibly young season but it does you know kind of need to be brought up it's you know the future of benny williams and hopefully he stays hopefully he's able to kind of grow himself in this program again he's such an incredibly talented young player but it's just a matter of you know being on the bench behind so many higher level guys that you're still going to see playing time but it's just not going to be what you're used to in high school and that's sometimes the adjustment that you got to make in college my fingers are crossed for Benny and I hope this year he's able to figure things out but let's move back to New York City how big of a game is this for our boy Cole Swider? I feel like this is probably he's he's had this circled on his calendar for a very long time. Without a doubt. It seems it seems like he's in pretty good standing with the Villanova program that people are, t- you know, saying pretty high praises about him or whatever, but he played what was it, like 77 games there um in Villanova but I got to imagine, Zach, that, you know, he transferred for a reason and there's a reason why he came to Syracuse. He's incredibly excited to be here. I feel like he he's hungry for this game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be all respect on the court, but, you know, he's going to walk away with a dub. You know, he can't he can't leave can't leave MSG playing Villanova, his previous team, without a dub. So he's, he's going all in. He's going full cylinders. All respect, but he's going to do what it takes to win, too. I mean, he is Captain Cole, after all. He is going to lead his crusade into MSG and try to get 
the the biggest dub of the year. This would be a huge win for the Q's program. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we need to kind of piece together, Zach. But in the end, you know, if we can if we can knock this out, man, this would be a defining win heading into ACC play. This is a massive game, and we have a huge opportunity to turn a lot of heads if we're able to pull out a win today. But baseline, as long as they play well, as long as the boys play well, there's really nothing to lose. So I think that gives us a little bit of freedom to play, you know, a little loose. And, you know, obviously it's a big game, big, big stakes, prime time, MSG, all that. But also, like, you know, hate to say it, but we're coming in massive underdogs. No one expects us to win. But, you know, that kind of gives us the freedom to be a little loose and get in our flow and get give it to them, see what we can do. So we've played a full month of the year, Zach. And I kind of want to get your take, again, heading into the ninth game. It's still a very young season. Where do you feel like we're at right now? Are you happy with where we're at? Are you a little bit worried? Like, where do you think that we stand at this point? I feel good. These last two wins against Indiana and Florida State have really turned the season around to a degree. I know a lot of people were really down in the dumps after the Bahamas trip. Obviously, here at the 2-3, we still stay positive through all the downs. But I think overall, we're in a really good position. I feel good. I guess the only like asterisk next to that is that that Colgate loss is slowly becoming worse and worse. But we're moved on from that. It still hurts. It hurts in the gut a little bit. still bleeding a little bit. But we, we're going to forget about that one. We are going to forget about that one. Yeah, if you look at our losses real quick. I mean, you had the lot. We had the loss against Auburn. They're a tremendous team. They've continued to be, you know, keep steamrolling competition. And then VCU, who has been pretty solid as of late. You know, they've had they had their their two losses following our game in the Bahamas. But um, that Colgate loss is definitely a punch in the gut. But I still think it's something that you can rebound from. It's not like it's you know, it, there's no reason why it needs to be a defining loss for the season. I feel. Like the, the the confidence is still up in that locker room. And from what it seems like from the player interviews and everything, it seems like the morale is pretty high, especially coming off of these two wins, Zach. So, you know, going into MSG, got to leave it out on the line, man. And this would be, this will be a defining win for the Orange program this season. Feeling good, looking good. Let's get that dub. Yes, sir. Game is 930 tonight. On ESPN, like Zach said, prime time from Madison Square Garden against number six Villanova. Really looking forward to it. That's going to do it for us here at the 2 3. We will talk to you after the Villanova dub. Until then, we'll see you later. Let's go, Cuse.